Everybody knows these three amigos got the soul. Start with Kenneth, the neuroscientist understands if you're buying it. Yo, he's barking it, by Yeah, in the dark and the light, he understands more than duality. It's a delight. Now, Ali, he got the philosophy, understands what you got beyond psychology. He's a spiritual genius and he sees it, he flows it, knows because the way is quite scenic. Yeah. Got the sacred map and he will rip it in half Because he forges a new path But first, we gotta get to the third Never been the worst cause the line's not blurred David, he got the real true theology Take that stuff, yeah, got that psychology Now I'm protected, over-selected, fuck He knows the holy book, he takes a look He knows that the shepherd's not crooked Understands that God is good and look it All the angels coming down and flowing No telling where that gospel is going but he knows the future is bright as long as his heart is open he can last the night I love that as above so below right so these right. geometries um, are not unique to spirituality and I was like as I was just looking at you Kenneth I realized that this is actually the, the geometry the hexagon is a geometry of the body as you know this is like your from your head to your shoulder mm -hmm. and this is down you can imagine someone sitting down in a yogi position and their left leg will connect that circle there the right leg would connect that circle there. Their heads would connect that one. And this is actually what you are, right? Mm -hmm. It goes. It actually goes around the body pretty amazingly. Yeah. And just a quick um, basic understanding of Metatron's Cube. Metatron's Cube is born out of the flavor of life, mm -hmm. which is, so the flavor of life is the culmination of circles. So the universe starts as a point and then the, the circle is the first primordial shape in the universe, is the mother, is the sphere. So from the sphere you get every other shape. But a sphere is interesting uh, to meditate on because it, you know, it doesn't have any edges or boundaries. So it's kind of like an infinite shape. So the universe starts at circles and then that's God being in stillness and kind of metaphorically speaking getting bored. So he begins to create movement and as he creates movement um, he creates the flower of life which is these uh, circles as you can see um, and from the flower of life you get the fruit of life which are these circles that I've showed you uh, five circles in the, vertically in the middle five circles uh, this side and five on this side yeah and then from this when you connect the dots you get the metatrans cube mm. um, the reason I mention it is because we are all in the beginning of feminine we all circles first, and then we get the edges, we get the Metatron's cube, mm -hmm. which is now the masculine is born from the feminine. Um, and that's fascinating. And again, the double tetrahedron is a combination uh, or the unity of the masculine and feminine together. Another way to conceptualize this is think of it as um, Shiva and Shakti. So Shiva is the upward masculine awareness, pure awareness uh, aspect of reality. Um, the one that's still and um, pure in terms of activity and movement and then the downward triangle is to do with the earth creation materiality mother creativity movement shiva dance uh, singing freestyling and uh, the beauty is that this symbol is the harmony of the two so heaven and earth in combination the amazing thing is there is a lot of poets like kabir and rumi who talk about there's a secret place in the heart, like a tiny secret place in the heart, right? And when they mean the heart, I believe this is also geometrically felt as actually your spiritual heart, your spiritual chakra, which is the center of the Metatron's cube. And from that place, you're connected to every other dimension. 
every other uh, dimension of reality. And it is actually in that place where you can access wisdom. Wisdom that's eternal. Uh, yeah. be- because the center is not actually... Uh, is not actually either... Either in the, in the up, upper side of the energetic system, nor the lower side of the energetic system. It's, it's the middle. It's where the balance or the integration happens. So it's the point of uh, unity and, and the point where you can contact um, <clears throat> anyone or anything or any information that you want to uh, discover is, is that point. So my experience again with Reiki and with the geometry has solidified the energies in terms of actual geometries but also in terms of feeling. And I think that's all there is to it in terms of the substance. There is the geometry, there's the feeling, there's the sensation. And there's also obviously the physical uh, signature that you can study. Maybe you know if people uh, have a healthy chakra, perhaps their physical body is also healthy. But that's what I have to say about the chakras using the Metatron's Cubes model. Yeah. So I'm I'm personally quite skeptical of this approach, and I'll, I'll tell you why. So of course. Um, at the end of the day, right? Like what we're looking at is uh, a diagram of circles. Um, and lines in between them um, sure. that form tetrahedrons and triangles. Obviously, um, I understand that you can ascribe some greater spiritual significance to it. Mm. But I think the point at which you try to draw a connection between mm. the geometry and the spirituality becomes very tenuous. Mm. The reason why is because there's not really a, a unique or precise mapping, right? So, for example, you talk about how, like, the 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 triangle in what was the, the most recent thing you showed us was that the the, the Metatron's cube yeah yeah, yeah 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 so you have the, the you know an upward facing triangle and downward facing triangle right and mm. you're trying to map that onto ideas of masculinity and femininity but you could also map those two things onto any kind of polarity right it doesn't mm. have to be masculinity yes. or femininity yes. it could just be up and down or whatever you want mm. to mm. or whatever spiritual significance yes. you want to attribute to up or down you yes. know heaven hell etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, or, you know, for example, um, like the, the center of the cube, um, uh, you say, right, represents like the heart chakra, but mm. it could also just represent anything that is energetically central, mm. right? Anything that, that happens to integrate yes. and be at the core yes, of other yeah. things. Yeah. So, so yeah, I just, um, yeah, caution, I guess, against like trying to read too much into into these things or or at least just trying to create yeah like a more precise motivation for um why these geometries map onto um different spiritual concepts i do very much like the approach of you know going of of looking at geometry and the reason why is that I, i used to work for this um research institute on consciousness called the qualia research institute um and their idea is essentially that the geometry of um, uh, your conscious experience mm. uh, maps onto different felt qualities of your conscious experience. Mm. Um, and, you know, for example, they have this idea that, like, there's some kind of, like, a mathematical object that, that encodes your consciousness, and the more symmetric that object is, and the more pleasant you'll mm. feel. Mm. Um, and you can kind of, like, literally experience this. Like, you know, for example, um, if uh, you take you know, um, uh, a certain psychedelic, you can actually feel that your conscious experience becomes smoother. And this actually, I think, does relate to some of the ideas that David was talking about. Um, and you can imagine that sort of um, as like, you know, if, 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 if you um, take your conscious experience as something like a, a sheet, you can imagine that mm. sheet becoming mm. smoother. Mm. Whether or not that's just a, a helpful metaphor yeah. for describing your conscious yeah. experience or whether it's an actual mathematical encoding, it's unclear. Um, 
But anyway, so I yeah. like I like the geometry yeah. approach. Yeah. It just needs to be more precise. Yeah. 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 Sure. I mean, in hermetic <laughs> uh, laws, there's a lot of polarity, and polarity, as you said, doesn't. It's not just a spiritually. Uh, doesn't have a spiritual significance in terms of the the chakras. It's also it could be the center of anything, and it is. The fact is, this is a geometry not of just the spiritual aspect of us, but of every aspect. Mm. Uh, it's like the primal geometry, and the story to follow again is: you start with a circle, you begin to create a flower of life, and from that you get the Metatron's cube. Interestingly enough, the reason this is said to be the perfect geometry for the universe, mm. basic perfect geometry, is because, interestingly. All the five platonic solids, the, the icosahedron, the dodecahedron, mm-hmm. um, all of those, uh, the cube, the tetrahedron, they all fit in perfectly into the metrogenous cube. The way to see how they fit is uh, you have to use computer, uh, some, of, some computer skills, but people have done it and you can look this up. And the idea of the five platonic solids is that these are the basic structures of the universe, um, geometrically. Mm-hmm. There's nothing outside of that. Everything is born from these five primal, primal geometries. So this shape within it has all of those five essential geomet- um, five essential basic geometries, and those five essential basic geometries map onto the five elements. So fire is like tetrahedron. The dodecahedron is ether. Uh, icosahedron is uh, now I may have mistaken this, but it's uh, air. Um, so the air, water, earth. Earth is cube, right? Mm-hmm. And so the first people actually who were trying to discover about this were in the Platonic and the Pythagoreans, Pythagoreans mystery schools, mm-hmm. and Plato. They, they actually started to say, you know, the tetrahedron is fire. So they mapped the, the geometrical, the basic geometrical aspect of reality with the spiritual aspects like fire, earth. And these are the energies of those geometries. So like, mm-hmm. like a cube is correlated with an earth energy. Right, and a cube provides a sense of protection, security. Um, a circle is a symbol of infinity, and these things um, are interesting because if you were to find a language by which you could describe the universe, a perfect language, I believe the best is mathematical and geometrical because mm. it transcends space and time. Um, so I, I'm actually not sure that you can get all the geometries. From just the dodecahedron, the what were the other ones? The the icosahedron, the icosahedron, etc. Yeah, yeah. From 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 these five five platonic solids. The reason why is because, so like, you know, like uh, there are different notions of space. So um, the notion of space that we're most familiar with, right, mm. and the one that would probably make the most sense for understanding uh, the platonic solids is Euclidean space, right? Mm. You can just imagine that as like a flat sheet. Right, um, you know the the kind of like coordinate 2D coordinate planes where you have mm. you know like one point in terms of x and y coordinates, right? That takes place within Euclidean geometry. Mm. Um, but then you can actually like bend Euclidean geometry. So, for example, if you imagine again that sheet, and then you put like a, a heavy ball in the middle, right? Mm. Then the geometry actually bends. Mm. So you can actually create a curvature to Euclidean geometry, and that means that like points get stretched farther apart. Um, so when it comes to like curving, like you know, Euclidean geometry, I actually don't know that you can get that from um, from just these shapes. And the reason why that's important is because like that's actually extremely relevant for the physics of the universe, right? Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. So like in general relativity, for example, um, like heavy celestial objects, like the sun, for example, they bend space and time. Mm. They bend the geometry yeah. mm-hmm. um, of space and time. Um, so again, just just caution against 
you know, saying that everything can be described from from uh, from 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 a set of shapes. Yeah, I mean, I don't have too much knowledge on that, but my um, study was that even though there can be more other geometries coming forth, these are the, these are the basic ones. So mm-hmm. I mean, you can think of it as you know, tetrahedron is just triangle, right? A cube is just straight lines, mm-hmm. right? As a simple, these are like the basics. Now maybe those geometries we're describing, maybe they're different. But maybe they're still made up of straight lines, yeah. circles, triangles. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not, yeah, that I don't know. We'd, we'd yeah. have to get a mathematician mm-hmm. in, in to answer those questions. Um, but another thing I also just want to call our attention sure. to is that, like, you know, it, it's important to, to disentangle the energetic significance of these ideas, which is, like, mm. felt, direct, immediate, yeah. and the um, mm-hmm. social-cultural um, mm. yes. uh, connotations yeah. of these ideas. So, yes. for example, you mentioned that a cube is um, uh, it, it corresponds to a feeling of security, of safety. Mm. But that may just have to do with the fact that like rooms and buildings and houses <laughs> tend to be cubes. <laughs> um, uh, which, you know, I mean, that, that may be grounded in like yeah. in, in energetic yeah. experiences something. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. yeah, I, I see it as, uh, sorry, yeah. uh, just quickly. Sure. I see it as the reverse, as in the reason mm. people create, for example, the pyramids. Now, wasn't because they wanted to create something just a pretty shape. They wanted to create a certain energetic signature that has a certain effect. Yeah. Now I don't know too much about it because the maybe the sciences uh, of the pyramids is too mystical for me to even begin to uh, uh, understand. But I think the reason people build architecture in a certain way is because of some. Maybe they don't even conceptualize it as they're going to create a template in which there's they create a certain energetic signature. But if you go to certain mosques uh, in Iran or other places that are truly beautiful, you can see that perhaps these people are not just building the stuff because it looks pretty. Maybe there's some deeply mathematical like rules that you know creates that kind of like a template environment for for a certain energy to to manifest. So I think I think those I think the spiritual aspects comes first, and then you get the you get a geometry. The cultural thing, I do agree with you. But even a cube, like think about it, of edges. If something has edges, it has a boundary. So you feel protected in a place that is that has a boundary, right? Yeah. I like, mean, all of them have edges, though. Like a circle is... Well, sure, sure. But all, all five of them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But the edges are sharper. The cube's edges are sharp. The cube's edges are way more, way more sharper. Well, that, um, that just depends on the surface. Um, you, can have, okay. you can have equally... I mean, like, what I think what you're saying is the angle is different, right? Yeah, so, so the, the angle is a 90 degree angle. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, help. Yeah. Thank you for, uh, thank you for that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yes, um, David, did you have something you want to say? Sure. Yeah, I mean, it would be a departure, right? Instead of yeah. perhaps a return mm. to what we were speaking about before. So all this kind of stuff is there. Uh, it's it's interesting, right? But yeah, if, if we could switch back, I think to the more concrete, and then uh, then maybe then I'll say a few things about about the more out there stuff. Okay, so like, let's just take this in terms of, uh, let's say you start a meditation habit. After a few weeks or months, after some mm. time in a retreat, you're able to hold yourself with the with with your breath without wandering off into thought. All right. Now at that point, you sort of turn your attention to your body, and uh, let's say you know you're able to sort of feel your hands, the sort of tingling in your hands mm. consistently, and it's just tingling and it's going wong 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 wong, and so what. So the, an image which comes up from Ajahn Fuang, this 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 uh, eminent Thai forest tradition uh, uh, monk, is that he said that basically like what, what the experience of meditation is like, it's like 
Imagine you're in a forest. Imagine you're, if you're in a forest in, you know, turn of the century Thailand, 1900 Thailand, right? Um, and then, you know, with, with industrialization coming in, you're sort of connecting power lines. You're cutting through the forest between the villages and connecting power lines. And all of a sudden, the forest mm. starts to light up, right? Mm. That's a bit what it's like. Because at the mm. beginning, the only thing that really feels like this alive sort of just this you know sensation of pure energy in your body is the breath coming in and out and the sort of tingling in your hand mm, mm. and so what you do is that you can connect that subtle alive feeling of just like completely living flesh right but also not not non-solid flesh this sort of just waves of just kind of 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 of, of, of yeah just kind of <laughs> that, that, right? from, you're able to connect that from, uh-huh. the, from your throat, right, down to your hand. So then, you know, as you realize that it can't actually connect because it's blocked by these tense, packed mm-hmm. muscles, right? Mm-hmm. So slowly as you breathe in and you breathe out and the breath gets more gentle, you're able to relax those muscles. And then suddenly you realize that, like, that same sensation you had in your hand can creep up, creep up your forearm, inside of your forearm, through the triceps, up through the shoulder to your upper back, such that as you breathe in and out, there's this constant sensation of wong, 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 all the way in your left arm, right? So for me particularly, it would start with like the tips of the of the finger, the, the, the index finger, the middle finger, and the thumb, then into the palm of the hand, not so much the other two fingers, into the forearm, right? All the way up to the lower back. And then, you know, as you come back and sit again, Without you know, the more you do it, the quicker you're able to access that same sense mm. of wong 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 moving in the left arm, and then you extend it to the ring finger as well. And the next time it takes you a while, but you get back to that place with the ring finger, and then you're connected to the pinky. Mm. And now every time you breathe in, and the thing is that as you breathe in, there's a rhythmic so that kind of wong 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 sensation of of your all of your left arm left sh- shoulder fluctuates in time within an out breath, right? As, so it's not like as you go, it sort of dampens slightly, like like a sort of a like like a a candle flame is growing slightly dimmer, and then coming back brighter, and then dimmer, and then brighter, mm. but never going away, just fluctuating, vong vong vong, and then slowly but surely you cut those channels through, to the, so that the same thing happens with your right arm, and so then first you, the, the way you do that first is just like you say, just focusing on your fingers and your right hand all the way up the arm of just your right arm. But then after some time, you're able to sort of have that sensation as you're breathing in and out of the breath coming in through the sort of the spinal column while also going. And then so you're both arms at the same time, wong, wong, mm. wong, with each breath. And then lower down the back to the sides of the back. The very difficult down the legs. The legs is much more, usually, generally speaking, a lot more difficult due to the tension in the hips, etc., etc., etc. And then once you're able to do this, and this is all, there's no mystery here. There's no scientific mystery here, right? Mm. This is just your nerves, right? Mm. Uh, Becoming, uh, your mind allowing you to experience the information that your nerves are having, right? But that might not seem to be so directly relevant, right? But then you realize how much of your emotions are tied up in that place. Mm -hmm. And that's where things can get a bit strange to open back up. So then at that point, with that sort of subtle wong, wong, wong feeling, you say, well, how does, how does it feel in my back? And you keep on going, you keep on going, you keep on going, and you find you have wings. You find that wong, wong, wong is going four feet behind you to the left, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, wait a second, okay, it's easy to the left. And then all of a sudden, you relax some t- up some bunched up muscles, which you've mm-hmm. never really relaxed before, yeah, yeah. due to years of bad posture, and you're right back, and you realize, oh my God, I've unfurled my right wing, right? Now, how you <laughs> interpret that, 
up to you. But these experiences are right there, right? Yeah. I mean, right, right there, it takes a few months or years, but they're there, and all you have to do is just breathe, right? Um, and at that point, you start to, then you can start to ask like, really fundamental questions, because as you're able to sit in meditation for an hour, two hours straight consistently, you get to these very strange spots without opening your eyes, right? And without really with your mind want, without your mind wandering from the present moment and the here and now, you start to wonder, you say, wait a second, for a lot of this time, I've had my eyes closed, but I do still have a visual representation of my body active, right? Mm-hmm. Where I do basically the residual impression of when my eyes were open and I saw my legs underneath mm-hmm. me and my arms in front of me. That residual impression is still there, mm-hmm. right? But I actually haven't opened my eyes for 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And at that point you realize, actually, this visual impression I have of my body mm-hmm. is exceptionally malleable, mm-hmm. right? And then yeah. at this point, yeah. you, don't, you can do stuff to it. But before you do stuff to it, just watch it. And you watch as it morphs, right? Yes. And it'll start to morph in mm. very interesting ways, right? Mm. And ways, ways which slowly become congruent with a lot of the kind of imagery you'll find right, in these ancient meditative traditions, yes. right? And so as you watch your visual representation, again, 40 minutes after having closed your eyes, that idea of you have like what clothes you were wearing and what your body looks like, just without opening your eyes again, seeing it shift, seeing it, and then... Mm. And then if you want, you can direct that in various ways, right? But you start to see how malleable, but then again, you open your eyes and you realize like just how malleable your visual mm. field mm. is regardless, right? But when you, especially when you take your visual field into the meditative experience, the point being, you don't really pay that much attention to, your, to the things happening in the colors in your head. You're paying attention to the breathing in the body, but then you tune back in to the visual field, which is still there, active, but subliminal. Mm. And you realize, whoa, like, I can do a lot of things with the visual sensations in my consciousness mm. before I go ahead and open my eyes. And there you open up the door to all kinds of experiences, which you can interpret as astral projection, mm. which you can interpret as tuning in to the body, your real body, right? Mm. Uh, and then, you know, the door opens. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, it passes through a path which... Is which no one would really contest, right? It just passes through just sitting there and observing yourself breathing, sitting there and mm. observing your arms being your arms, right? Sitting there and observing the patterns of muscle tension, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that and that that first step, that first before you get into any of the really weird stuff that you then can do when, <laughs> with such a, with a, with such a malleable consciousness you're giving yourself, yeah. And that first process is very useful to anyone, be, precisely because of the sort of, uh, the, the, I guess, the groundedness in the present moment it can give you, and the becoming in tune with yourself, basically. Yes. So a, a lot of your emotions, right, are basically thoughts or impressions you have about the world that have, quote-unquote, made their way into your body, right, that have sort of impressed themselves in mm. how you hold yourself. Yes. Yeah. And tuning into that, mm. you can start to loosen that, which with, with these really, really extremely deep-seated parts of your identity, really deep-seated beliefs about the world, even subliminal beliefs about whether or not people like you, mm. how people are looking at you, how, how you relate to, this, to people and things around you. A lot of that can, you know, a lot of deep-seated problems can be there. And it's only through this process that you can really start to release them. And then, yeah, that opens up the, the, the path to all kinds of fun, fun stuff. Right? But the initial steps, I think, are useful for absolutely anyone, mm. even those who aren't interested in opening th- up their Merkava and traveling to different dimensions. <laughs> but that is, but ironically enough, that is actually the best way to it, right? <laughs>